I'm Mark. I'm the senior leader here at Elevate Church. Great to see so many of you here this morning. Let me start by asking a question. And I would, I'd like to see a show of hands. I'd like to have a little bit of movement, a little bit of honesty here this morning. How many of you, and, and I want you to keep your hands up because there might not be a 100% strike rate. And, and if not, I'll ask a couple more questions until we get to 100%. But let me ask a question. Put your hand up. If you've ever in your life at any point in time felt overwhelmed by circumstances, leave your hand up, okay? If you haven't got your hand up, let me ask you a question. How many of you ever failed at anything? Or if your hand's already up, maybe put the second one up, you know? Okay, you could put your hands there. Look, guys, what, no doubt, 100% strike rate. All of us have at some point in time felt overwhelmed. All of us at some point in time have experienced failure. All of us at some point in time have, have experienced defeat at the hands of circumstance, whether it was financial circumstances, relational circumstances, maybe health issues that you you didn't overcome and and, and you felt, you know, defeated by them. And uh, some of those circumstances were one-off. Some of them are ongoing. And in, in fact, it's quite likely here this morning, some of you are in the middle of circumstances that are ongoing right now that you're feeling overwhelmed, that you're staring, you feel at at least you're staring at the inevitable wall of failure and it's looming large on your horizon. The problem with these sorts of things happening in life is as they accumulate, as these defeats, as these failures accumulate, to us, the gap between who we are, who we see ourselves, and, and, and yet hopefully still a glimpse of, of who we think we could be. The, the gap seems to be growing further when we'd like it to actually be growing shorter, right? Getting closer to becoming the person that we think we can be. But stumbling block and obstacle and dead-end road and brick wall of failure, defeat, circumstance, being overwhelmed, being overcome, seem to increase the distance and not bridge the gap. One of the challenges that we face, particularly in the 21st century and particularly in Western society, is so many of us base our identity on our performance. Do you understand? you ever done that? Base your identity on your... Because we're reminded every day about, you know, who we could be and who we should be. And, 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 and it's on television and it's in magazines and it's in books. And, 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 and people get paraded. Success stories get paraded. And every success story that's paraded, for us that are feeling overwhelmed or for us that have experienced defeat and failure, it, it feels like we're having our noses rubbed in it. In the big cesspool of defeat. If only you could be like them, then, then you should think well about yourself. We base our identity on our performance and an axiom in life. And we've been saying this over the last couple of weeks in different ways. I really want you to think about this. Our identity shapes our activity. There's kind of a downward spiral with defeat and being 
overwhelmed and failing. The, the, the downward spiral is every time we, we, we notch up a failure, every time we, we, we capitulate under the weight of defeat, when the next lot of pressure comes, when the next set of challenging circumstances come, oftentimes we don't tackle that. Some of us, are, some of you here this morning, and I've really felt God all week. Reminding me that there's some of you here this morning, you've been knocked down so many times. You're on the mat and you don't even, not only do you not have the energy to get back up, you're not even sure you want to get back up. Because you expect if I get back up, I know what's going to happen. I'm just going to get knocked down again. So why bother? Why go another lap around the block? And so you see your identity as someone who's defeated, someone who's incapable of living the sort of life and becoming the sort of person that you once held out hope that you could become. Or, or maybe that there's still a flicker of a flame that you could become that person, but, but that, 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 that distance seems to be getting wider. I'm not here to rub your nose in that. In fact, quite the opposite. What if there was a third option? Option over here is, is, is your defeated self. The person that fails, the person that's had circumstances steamroll them into the mat. You're struggling to, to retain the notion that there's something more, something better. The person that when you were five and the teacher asked, what do you want to become when you grow up? You told them an astronaut or a fireman or a nurse or a teacher and you had lofty dreams for your life. And, and, and yet right now you've pretty much abandoned all of it. What if there was a third option? What if those weren't the only two choices on the table of life? What if there was a third option? And what if the third option was a better option? And what if the third option had nothing to do with your performance or underperformance? What if the third option was a gift that was given freely to you and it was a better option? Would you take it? Here's the third option. With Jesus... You're an overcomer. It's a big, 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 chunky, badass word. Overcomer. With Jesus, you're an overcomer. And this, the reason this is good news is this is not actually a future promise. This is not a one day, someday, hopefully, maybe, if only and we bridge up to that and we, and, we, and we hopefully tick enough boxes and one day become an overcomer. This is actually a statement of position of our current reality, of who we are right now, today, on this earth, if we've made the decision to make Jesus our Lord and trust him and follow him, we are overcomers right here, right now. That's our true identity. And some of you are struggling to believe that. But it doesn't matter if you believe it. First and foremost, close your eyes and you can pretend the sun's not up. Right? Doesn't change the sun. 
sun's not going to go scampering back over the horizon just because you close your eyes and said, I don't believe you're up. There's some things that we actually have to stretch our faith to grab a hold of. They're already true. We need to actually appropriate them into our lives. With Jesus, we're overcomers. And God's best, God wants us to operate from that identity and not for our identity. Some of you who have bought into the lie that we're meant to base our identity on our performance. If we do well, we're good. If we fail, we're a failure. This has got to be the greatest news you're ever going to hear all week, maybe all year, that you're an overcomer because of Jesus. Not because of your performance or underperformance. And, and God wants you to operate from that identity, not for your identity. And you can relax. You can lean into that. It's liberating. I can tell by your faces some of you are still not convinced. And you're not convinced because right now your default is to all the things that you can remember that you failed at. Mark, you're telling me I'm an overcomer. Let me show you my CV. I have evidence to the contrary. It's not about our performance. Guys, if you're not in the habit of taking notes, writing down some Bible verses to go and study during the week, start right now because I'm about to give you some things that if you take them on, if you not just take them on, but this week, every day, while you're on the dunny, while you, I don't care where, I don't want to know where if that's the case, but you listen, you, you go, you, God, I don't, my eyes are closed, I don't believe the sun's up, you say I'm an overcomer, I've got all this list of reasons I don't think I am. But you know what? I want to bridge up to that reality. Not bridge the performance gap, but bridge the faith gap. That's going to be the challenge for some of us from today. Okay? And study them during the week. We call this a conversation. And, and the reason we call this a conversation is because it's not meant to just be here. It's meant to be ongoing. You're meant to be with your family, with your spouse, with your kids. Meet up with someone during the week. Sit across the coffee shop with them and say, hey, you know, I've been reading about that thing that Paul wrote, which I'll get to in a moment. And, you know, and this is what I, God's really helping shape my faith and stretch me and challenge me. And, you know, and, 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 and it's exciting. In the second quarter, we're going to be launching our Elevate groups. They are environments every two weeks where we get to do that collectively. But don't wait. Get into that now. So get your phones out. Get your phablets out. Get your iPads out. Get your flipping hammer and chisel out. Whatever it takes. Write this stuff down. Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Some words to remind them of their true identity. He said, so, so what do you think? What do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare? These are fighting words. That's why he's writing them to the Italians. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? That's you. Who would dare tangle with God by messing with Jill Johnson? Who would dare tangle with God by messing with Brett Kehoe? That's what he's saying. Who would dare? Who would be so stupid? 
Brett and Jesus? You want to take them on? Who would dare even to point a finger? I think we'd translate, who would dare to flip the bird? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Get it? It's not a future promise. This is our current reality. This is our position. Because Jesus, right here, right now, is in the presence of God, this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone's going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble. Anyone ever experienced some trouble? Well, it's not going to stop Jesus working for you. Not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins. And fast forward, verse 37, Paul said this, No, in all these things, not some of these things, in all these things, we are conquerors no it's even better than that we're more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us with Jesus we're an overcomer with Jesus we're more than a conqueror you ever thought about that what does it mean to be more than a conqueror because by the way on my best day I'd just settle for being a conqueror (laughs) the great thing about God he, he takes it one step further he's a God of increase he, he says no, no Mark you're not just a conqueror you're more than a conqueror well, what does that mean you ever thought about that what does is, what is, what is it mean more than a conqueror I mean conqueror is fine the best way I've ever had this explained a former leader of our last church Phil Baker would put it this way so supposing it's a boxing Deal, And you've got Mike Tyson when he used to be, you know, feared and strong and tough and stuff. World champion with all of his belts. Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson, he, uh, he's got his uh, defense of his heavyweight world championship this particular evening. So he, he, he's at home that morning and gets up and he has his little breakfast and, you know, breakfast of champions, that sort of thing. And he's got his bag and he's ready to head out the door and kisses his wife and he says, honey, you know, I'm off, I'm off to defend my world championship. And off he goes in his, you know, stretched limo with his dark sunnies on and all that bathrobe thing, silky, iron mic across the back. And uh, he goes to the, to, the, to the boxing match, defending his world heavyweight championship. And the guy that comes up against him is, is like, is actually pretty good. His name's Rocky, I think. Yeah. So Stallone or some, I don't know, some tough guy. So Mike Tyson's fighting against Rocky. And Rocky comes out, man. He's been training all his life for this moment. It's his, it's his shot at the championship, heavyweight championship of the world. So Rocky just starts laying into Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's laying back into Rocky. And historically, Mike Tyson's gone about two, three rounds before he's knocked the dude down. But this opponent... They go 15 rounds. They've got, you know, you can't see their eyes and it just blood everywhere. It's disgusting. And it goes to the judge's decision and, uh, you know, they're, they're standing there and the, and the, and the refer- match referee's in the middle with his rubber gloves on. And uh, 
And he says, you know. And the winner, by a narrow margin, the heavyweight champion of the world is Mr. Mike Tyson. And, you know, yeah, Now comes the girl with the bikini with the big cardboard check with, like, lots of zeros on it. Like, massive lots of zeros. 50 million bucks. So Mike, you know, walks back into the limo and he chucks that check back in the back of the limo. He gets in and the driver drives him home and he walks in the house. Honey, I won. I'm a conqueror. And uh, his wife says, that's great, sweetheart. Give me the check. And Mike Tyson, doing what every sensible husband would know to do, he hands her the check. Mike Tyson was the conqueror. But Mrs. Tyson is now more than a conqueror. Do you understand? Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago to fight the fight for you and to fight the fight for me. But he handed us the prize. You understand? Jesus conquered on our behalf. He didn't need to have his sins washed away. He didn't need to have his relationship with God restored and reconciled. He did that for us. He fought our fight for us. And then after he had defeated death, defeated Satan, defeated sin, he handed us the prize, the gift of salvation, the gift that we are now more than conquerors because of what Jesus did, not because of our performance. And that's the critical distinction. Now, I'm not saying you'll never have trouble. Right? It's a no-brainer. There's no point saying we're an overcomer if we don't have anything that needs overcoming. (laughs) We, we know we, we're going to have stuff come against us. Jesus himself said this, in this world, you will have trouble, full stop. Not one of the most profound things Jesus ever said. It's like, you know, the people are following him and Jesus goes, all right, guys, reality check. This is going to come as news to you. Guess what? In this world, you'll have trouble. Somebody write that down. What, what for, mate? Because I haven't finished. Oh, oh. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus doesn't promise us a life that's crisis free, but he does promise us a life that's crisis proof. Did you hear that? Jesus doesn't promise us a life that's crisis free, but he does promise us a life that's crisis proof. What's the difference? Here's the difference. You put on a bulletproof vest, won't stop people shooting at you if they choose to. But it means that when the bullets come, they will not be fatal. We will have trouble, but that trouble won't be fatal. And I'm, I'm kind of guessing, sorry, can I, whoever's child that is, is it possible to move to the foyer, please? It's just quite distracting. Is that all right? Sorry to single you out. Pete, 
that you honor your child. Oh, gee, one of our team leaders' kids. Super cool. Sorry, Carleen, wanted to embarrass you. Um, okay, back on point. Uh, I'm wondering if some of you are still even uh, struggling to believe what I'm saying. Even though Paul said it and Jesus said it. And, and that's why I encourage you to take notes. Some of you, won't, we won't get this in 20, 30 minutes. This is the stuff we've got to go and chew on. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the toughest stuff. It's the hardest stuff. But uh, it's often where the most nutrition is. So I want to put a couple of kind of instructionary thoughts out there for us and take them into this week and, and, and begin to build these into the fabric of our lives. Because overcomers, when we have this revelation, when, when we bridge our faith up, not our performance up, but our faith up, when we bridge our faith up to this reality, this revelation, this position that we are an overcomer, we'll do a couple of things differently. Overcomers fight with an overcoming, conquering attitude. You know, I said earlier on, unfortunately for some of us, we've been defeated so many times that, that our default position is that of a defeated person. Our thoughts are, I can't. It's our default position. There's no way. And you're here this morning because God's got you here to remind you that you're an overcomer, that you're more than a conqueror, not by your own performance, but because of what he's done. And we need to take that position. It's a promise of our current position, not a one day, someday. If we tick enough boxes, it's now. It's a position. To, it's an identity to operate from. Who do you think you are? I think I'm an overcomer because of what Jesus did for me. I love the way that David said it. Make this your battle cry. This is like, uh, we should get the t-shirts done, Sean, with this emblazoned across the front. This would be a cracker of a life mantra. Listen to this one if you've never read this before. David wrote this in the Psalms. <laughs> God, in your strength, I can crush an army. Not just outlast them, crush them. I love that. Louise says that to me. Sometimes she comes home at night, she's been to the gym, she looks him in the eye, she says, babe, I could crush you. And the sad truth is, is that she could. She doesn't want to just kind of wear me down slowly. She's I can crush you. I'm like, yeah, I know. Skinny triathlete versus flipping Xena. <clears throat> in your strength, in your, now notice it's in your strength, God. I can crush an army with my God. I can scale any wall. I'm not talking about denying circumstance. This isn't talking about denying circumstances. It is saying that when circumstances come, that with God I can crush those circumstances. I can scale any wall. One of the um, most disturbing things that I hear people say when they talk about navigating through life is this, this, this theology of open and shut doors. 
wonder if you've ever heard anybody say, oh, you know, I've got this decision to make, you know, it's a, it's a life decision, big, big thing. And if God opens a door, you know, so if the door's open, I know it's God and I'll go through. And if the door's closed, I know that's not what God wants and I, and I won't go through. Has anyone ever heard, anyone ever said that? Has anyone ever said that themselves? You don't have to admit to that, but, you know, I hear it a lot. I hear it a lot. It's this, it's this open and shut door theology, I call it. And, and the only problem with that is it's not biblical. The biblical position in, in the New Testament is that we're meant to be led by God's Holy Spirit. And there's going to be some things that God's Holy Spirit says to you, the door's open, don't even think about going through. That's not where I want you to go. Stop. Look away. Turn away. Run away. Doors wide open, not calling you through it. And there's other things, the Holy Spirit, doors closed, shut, triple dead latched, shut. Chair against it on the other side, you don't know that. I don't think that actually ever does anything, but they do it in the movies. Chair on the other side against the doorknob. Does it work? Okay. <clears throat> I can crush that door. Um, <laughs> sometimes the door's shut and the Holy Spirit calls us to fight our way through it. We need to fight with conquering attitudes. And the other thing that overcomers do is they fight with supernatural weapons. And this is where a lot of us go wrong. We're willing to put the fight up, but we only fight with our own resources. And we only therefore get our own results. Paul wrote to, after he'd written to the Italians, he wrote to the other wogs, the Greeks. And he said to them, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, the weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. That word power, translated in the Greek, Paul, don't even think about correcting me if I'm wrong, is uh, is the word dunamis. The word power is the Greek word dunamis. Paul would have written to the Greeks, he would have used the word dunamis, and they would have known exactly what he was talking about. It wasn't any sort of power. It wasn't lettuce and tomato power. It wasn't garden gnome variety of power. The word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite in English. That the weapons that we have have the power of dynamite to destroy strongholds, have the power of dynamite to overcome circumstances. Why would we fight with, you know, petty little weapons that, 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 that we've got when, when God promises us the sort of weaponry that has the power of dynamite? You know, we have relational issues and we, and we go and, and we get some counseling. That's fantastic. One of the smartest, wisest, bravest, boldest, most courageous and humbling things you could do. But, but that's not the only thing that you should be doing. If you've got relational issues with somebody, start praying for them. Start praying with them. Ask for their forgiveness. Amazing the sort of strongholds forgiveness brings down in our lives. Instead of bitterness and resentment and all the layers that those sorts of things accumulate residue in our hearts and our lives. You know. Some of us, we've got health complications and we go to see the doctor and that's great. God uses doctors. 
the doctor gives us certain recommendations, things he or she wants us to do, and, and we don't do them because we I just don't have the self-control. I just can't do it. Well, have you started asking God for more self-control? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Paul said we can actually grow in it. Why are you just fighting in your own strength? If you've got health issues, why wouldn't you grab hold of God's hand and, and, and say, hey, God, you and me, we can crush this thing. We can scale this wall. Some of you, your vision is, is to become financially free. Cut up the credit cards. Move forward. Have the freedom to say yes to God in any way that he asks with your finances. And you're putting the budget together, and that's brilliant. And so you should. You have to. But, but you're not giving as well. And you say, well, one day, when I'm financially free, then I'll start giving. And God says, I, I promise, God's word, he promises he'll get involved in our financial world when we start giving in faith. He'll actually fast track. He'll actually help us with our budget become financially free, go further, faster. But we're fighting only with our own weapons. And guys, I, I sincerely hope that for some of you, many of you, this is the best news you've heard in a long time. You've allowed to defeat to define you. And you're here today because God wanted to get up in your grill with good news, not get up in your grill with condemnation. You're an overcomer. Whether you feel like it yet or not, you are an overcomer because of what Jesus did for you, for us. And if you don't believe that yet, if that's not a reality for you yet, I get it. But make this the launch pad today. 24th of February, 2013, the day God intervened with revelation and course corrected the trajectory of my life. Because I thought I was a failure. And my track record pointed to the fact that I was a failure. I had circumstances looming on the horizon of my life and I didn't know if I wanted to fight them or I figured if I did fight them, I was going to lose anyway. And I'm so glad I pitched up at Elevate Church and listened to God's word remind me or inform me that I'm an overcomer and I'm going to start to fight from that identity, not for that identity. And get the t-shirt made. With God, I can crush an army. With him, I can scale any wall. I'm bulletproof. It's a song right now. I'm bulletproof. I wasn't going to start singing it. You wouldn't have recognized it if I started singing it anyway. So. You know, some of you as well, I heard this during the week. Some of you haven't, haven't gone near God. You sort of 
shied away from him, a bit scared of him because of all the things you've done. And uh, if I said to you, God wants you to get close to him, you, you, you would be like, I can't. I, I just can't. I've, I, he, he wouldn't take me back. And uh, that's this reality I've been talking about is 2,000 years ago, God sent his son Jesus to come to this earth to die in our place because we couldn't bridge the gap between us and God and we needed him to bridge that gap and he did that by sending his son Jesus to die for us and for some of us we we struggle with that because because we we know all the things that we've done wrong we know all the things all of the the the, the stuff that we've done that's that we know God wouldn't approve of and I heard one of my friends say these words this week he said Jesus didn't come to rub it in Jesus came to rub it out You know all the things you've done wrong. <laughs> and God knows all the things you've done wrong. But he didn't send his son Jesus to rub it in. He sent his son Jesus to rub it out. He sent his son Jesus to erase, to forgive the things that we've done wrong. So that, well, firstly, because we couldn't. And secondly, so that because God wanted to have a relationship with us so much. Exactly what Peter said earlier. God moved first. God sent his son, Jesus, in our helplessness. I know most of your stories, and I know most of you have actually accepted that gift from Jesus, that gift of a relationship with God. You've said, Jesus, I want to make you my Lord. But I don't know all of your stories, and some of you maybe have never actually taken that step and accepted that gift. Well, we'll give, give you that opportunity right here, right now. To say, just and to be honest. We, we love honesty here at Elevate. God loves honesty. Just to be honest. God, uh, a lot of things I've done. This is, this is, you can be praying this in your heart right now. A lot of things I've done, God, that you wouldn't approve of. I know it and you know it. So let's just, you know, put it on the table, shall we? God's a big boy. He wears his big boy pants. He can handle it. It's an opportunity for you, if you've never done this this morning, it's an opportunity for you to say, I, I, I can't get rid of all that stuff. It's, 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 it's on the records. And I know that that's the sort of stuff that separates me from you, God. I, I desperately want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to, I want to walk with my hand in yours, God. Would you forgive me? And the great news is God says, absolutely, yes, I will forgive you. Unconditionally, no questions asked. If you're sincere, you want to turn towards him, ask for his forgiveness, ask for him to be the Lord of your life. He promises, no questions asked, he will forgive you. Some of you, you've never made that decision. Well, right now, this morning, we're going to give you, right here, this opportunity to make that decision. All I want you to do, for those of you that you know that's the decision you need to make this morning, to turn to God and ask for his forgiveness. I just want you to put your hand up, say to God, God, that's me. I need you to forgive me. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. 
I'm going to pray. I don't want to miss anybody. Just look around a few times. For those of you that need to make that decision, we had three people, four people make this decision last Sunday. How many of you need to make that decision this morning to say, God, I need, to, I, I, need, I need your forgiveness. I want that relationship with you. I want that gift of a relationship with you, but I need your forgiveness. Just put your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down. Good on you, sweetheart. Who else? Good on you, mate. Good on you, sweetheart as well. Good on you, guys. Well, three people. Who else? Just don't miss this opportunity. Fantastic. Who else? Don't miss this opportunity. God has got you here because he wanted you to hear the best news you ever hear. And this is it, right here, right now. Fantastic. Look, we had four people lift their hands and and acknowledge that they want God's forgiveness. I want us to pray a prayer. Those four people, I want you to pray this prayer, but we're all going to pray this prayer with you. And this is the words. This is you and God, okay? Maybe you've never done this before. Talk to God. It's, it's a good thing. He's listening. And uh, I want us to, to we're going to ask for his forgiveness and ask him to be our Lord. So, so repeat these words after me and make this your prayer. Dear God, thanks for moving first, for sending your son Jesus to bridge the gap, knowing I couldn't. And so today, I turn to you. Please forgive me of my sins. Please give me a brand new start. And from this position, in a relationship with you, I thank you that I am an overcomer, that I'm more than a conqueror, And I commit to live my life in your footsteps. In Jesus' name, amen. How about we celebrate with those four people, guys?